1: plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: the typical conversation with someone is are you okay yeah do you want to go for a point okay and then you talk about anything but the (coughs) grief that you're in you might speak about your wife or you might speak about this but you don't speak about your grief
3: and how you're feeling Welcome back to Grief Encounters, and on this week's episode, we are joined by Tony Owens and Mike Colshaw. Tony Owens and Mike Colshaw will be taking part in a football match in Dalyon Stadium in May, but it's not just any ordinary football match. They will represent a team of bereaved fathers who will have the names of the babies that they lost on their jersey. Um... And it's a really, really incredible thing they're doing to raise money for FelaCon, an organization that helps families who are dealing with stillbirth and neonatal loss. Um, To say that this conversation is an inspiring one is probably a real understatement because these two men talk about the grief that they faced losing their children, how they keep their children's name alive and the importance of talking and sharing experiences together as bereaved fathers. I feel like it's an important episode because we so rarely get the chance to talk to men about how they deal with the loss of a child. And I thank them both for coming in. Daily Mount Stadium, otherwise known as the home of Irish football, has seen some really special performances take place in its 120 year history. This May, that trend will continue as guests Tony Owens and Mike Colshaw will represent a team of bereaved fathers as they take on an international team of men who have been affected by stillbirth or neonatal loss. Thank you guys so much um, for coming onto the podcast. We really appreciate it. I guess just to start off, the origins of this idea and how you guys decided to come together and do something like this, how did this start?
2: Well, this started when when um, a man called Stephen contacted us from Sands UK, which would be the UK equivalent charity for dealing with um, stillbirth loss. And Stephen's actually from Dublin, but he's living over in Cardiff. And he's actually a Boas fan. He'll get more pleasure of playing out at Daily Mount than any of those other Irish fathers. Uh, especially me, I'm a Rovers fan. So uh, Stephen contacted us. He asked us about did we need any help setting up a team originally to play in a league, and I said that might be a bit too much, but we'll definitely we'll definitely play a game, and we'll have yous over, and we'll we'll run an event for Felicon who was helped helped all the parents, fathers and mothers as well as the children. Sometimes the children get left out when uh, people are thinking about people losing a baby. Mm. We have to remember that they lost a brother or a sister too. So they contacted us, um, myself and Anthony. We took her on board and we set up a committee and got the likes of Mike and Ken and Mark and a few others on. We put it out on social media through Facebook, on the Falecon Facebook page and hoped that we'd get a squad of 16 or so. And we ended up with a squad of 37, wow. which is... Gonna be funny on today seeing so <laughs> seeing so many people trying to get on. I think it'd be more people trying to get off the pitch, really, because did uh, that
3: surprise you? Um Because you know, in in any of the conversations we've had with around stillbirth and around you know, it's it from what people have told me, it's hard to get people to talk or to put themselves forward because it's a very 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 difficult experience to. To, to get out like to, to, to talk about were you surprised to get that response in that many people
2: yeah I think I think if we asked for volunteers to come into a room and just talk to other fathers just to yeah. talk we wouldn't have got that response yeah. it's just through the, the medium of football that we were able to get it through and uh, people just look at it as a way of remembering their angels mm. and uh, like the most special thing about the game is everybody will have their own individual jersey with their angels name on the back so I know I'll be running out where Arthur on the back and I won't be more proud than any other event I've done. And
1: Mike, I'm sure you're the same. No, absolutely. And I think I think you're right. I think losing a, a baby is a very isolating experience. And we've been very focused on the element of honouring all these babies mm-hmm. rather than it being, you know, a, a channel for, for talking. Mm-hmm. Although that's ultimately what's coming from it. We're able to all meet up for the training sessions, meet up on the day and really come together all with this horrific shared experience and have this opportunity both to proudly wear, you know, our angels' names on our backs, but also in doing that, in the lead up to that talk and find out a little more about everybody else's stories and, and share your own stories as well, which maybe you haven't talked about in in great detail to somebody outside of your immediate family before.
3: Yeah. There's something so powerful about what you guys are doing. I think putting the your baby's name on on your back and and owning that and standing out there and honoring them. It's not an easy thing to do, a beautiful thing to do, a really, really beautiful thing to do for your child and for your family. Um, when you. Are together, when you guys are together or when you're doing these kinds of things you know, it's really sort of at the heart of what this podcast really is about. Is there something when you get into a room with someone who has gone through something that you have gone through as well, it's kind of hard to explain. There's a peace in knowing that the person sitting next to you gets yes. it. Yes. There's,
2: there's, a, there's a source of comfort in it. Yeah. Like I know we've had two training sessions. Uh, we we train once a month and even if people aren't in, the fathers aren't in the 37, they're still welcome to come down and train if they've lost a the baby. They're well welcome to come down and train and just mm-hmm. be part of that group. And sometimes, like I'd be speaking beforehand to the group, and people don't have to talk back, but they know they're comfortable being in there because they know it's not somebody. I suppose it's not somebody lecturing them about what's happened. They know that this has happened to me, and they're in. I'm in the same situation as everyone else. Well, that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get across to them anyway. And some people might talk about their about their angels. Some people might just be happy to sit there. And then when they go out and have a game of football, they're, they're soon quick enough to start kicking you and forgetting about things. But <laughs> it's, um, no, it's really good and that's what that's what we're trying to get across in, in, in the football.
1: I think one of the things, Tony, that you're particularly mindful of is with people at, at different stages of yeah. the grief process there. So with people who may have lost, I'd lost Molly five years ago uh, in April, but there's people there who were very early on in that mm. journey, so I think Tony does a great job of being very careful not to force anybody to talk Mm. because there's people who maybe are still in those very early stages of grief and they're just not ready yet. But the fact that they're there, the fact to Tony's point that they they feel comfortable in that environment, that they're with people who've been through that. Maybe they can take some solace from the fact, from seeing people who are just that little bit further down the road. Mm. Um, and, you know, if if that helps, then that's a great thing as well.
3: And I think that's, um, we had a, a guest um, very early on, um, on the podcast, I think, I think maybe the second episode, actually, who talked a lot about losing a child and going to an event of some kind. And there was a family who had lost a child. They were 10 years down the line. And that was the thing that got him through because he saw that they were still alive and they were still functioning and they were they were actually happy. There was things about them that he hung on to for those years to go that there is maybe there's a tiny light somewhere that this will get easier, not ever be okay, but easier. That was the thing. I think a lot of times, just like you're saying, being in a room or group or on on a pitch with people who are at different stages can actually be very um, beneficial because you're seeing you're seeing the different stages that you might be in going forward. Yeah,
2: that, that's very important because I remember when we attended our first couples counselling for failacon, and I was looking at the counsellor saying, "I wish I was where you were." Yeah. You know, through that grief, and and the thing that she thing that she told us, and always stuck with me, and says, "The grief will always stay with you. It's just that you learn to live with it. At this moment in time, you can't, you just can't see past the grief. Mm. but eventually life like if grief is that size and say you use a fist for example eventually life grows around the fist will always be there yeah. and it's it's like that it's like saying I wish I was them and then now people are in their football game like I'd know a bit more information there's people that have lost a baby within a few months or there's people that have lost the baby 5 or 6 years ago or there's people that have lost the baby 15 years ago mm. you know for me I get dragged back into the grief when i'm having a bad day you know something goes wrong in work or, or you're feeling sick the grief suddenly comes back at you and it's just been a way of trying to learn how to uh you still have to learn how to live with it and it's a difficult thing
3: i think um we had um breed shine who is a woman whose um speciality is dealing with neonatal and, and um and stillbirth loss and i mean she's our i was our episode last week um and she talks and I, I really came across so so um strongly in the interview about the depth of loss of a baby that it is not it is like nothing else it is a, it is a, it's a deeply 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 difficult thing. I get emotional thinking about families having to go through that. Felicon, I didn't know very much about the services that were available or how the process works at all until last week. I had no idea the different things that were in place. I found it a comfort to know that there were things in place, um, and that there was was support. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what that process is like and what families can have to have experienced that? What do they go through in the afterward kind of time?
2: well, Felecon. I wish we never found it. I wish I never knew anything about it and everybody's in the same way. I know when it happened to us, none of my family knew about Felicon and they were like, what is it, what is it? And they couldn't even pronounce the word, they were calling it Felician and everything. Felicon is obviously the word for butterfly and and that's what we see in Irish mythology. When a child dies, they used to turn into a white butterfly and, and that's where it came from. We find it a great source of comfort even when the other two children, Sam and Grace, see a butterfly, they'd say, Oh, there's her so uh, we always find that in a comfort. Um I suppose like Felicon's only around since two thousand nine, I think so. Before that there was basically nothing for bereaved parents that went through this. Um a group of bereaved parents came together and and set her up. The um well immediately what they do is they'd have a c they'd have a cuddle cut in every hospital in Ireland. And what a cuddle cut is um, they've, hand-knit, they've hand-knit blankets and hand-knit clothes that you can dress your baby in for, for the funeral, if you wish. They've teddy bears that you can hold on to one teddy bear and you can place the other teddy bear in. You can take locker of hair and, and bring her home with you in the box. They've now moved on to foot and prints where they can go in and, and take the baby's hand and footprints and made get that made into clay for you. Um, they've a camera because... W- like when this was first handed to me I just wanted to throw back at them I was like this is no use to me mm. but they have a camera there because what you have to remember is it's your only chance mm. if if like if God forbid it, this happened to a friend of mine afterwards and I, and I just told him the one thing to do was just take pictures mm. you know you're only going to get those three days and uh, and there's a, there's lovely charity out there that professional photographers come and, and take pictures um, I can't think of the name of it mm. Um, that lady when when I rang her that lady just dropped everything and says I'll be into you in the afternoon and she was mm. and she was fantastic and we have them pictures up th- through, throughout the house now mm. so if it does happen to anyone and unfortunately it's going to keep happening it's um, just take photographs and, and ring the charity the stuff that happens later on through Felicon where you can go to couples counselling that was that was tough not the council in itself but actually having the bravery to go to mm. her like we, went, we went to the hotel and we just wanted to run until this lovely Cork woman came over to us don't tell her I was called her lovely <laughs> <laughs> I never heard the end of it but Marty came over to us and uh, she she was great to us and we went to a room she spoke another lady was where I could have been Jacinta another lovely woman she spoke and then she just left the floor open and you think that it was like I remember speaking to Mike yesterday. You think like nobody's going to talk, but suddenly people do start opening up, and, and it was mainly the women. And that's getting back to this way we started to open the the football game, but it was mainly the women that spoke and just shared their experiences. And I remember being in the room. The one thing that stood with me is, wow, this isn't. It just didn't happen to us. This happens to other people and you'd be hearing the other stories and you'd be crying listening to their stories mm-hmm. and people wouldn't believe you after a few weeks we could be leaving that room just in just, just safety of that room we could be leaving that room having a, a laugh and a joke with people because our barriers were down we didn't have to have any barriers up with them because it was all the same and um, I'm so glad I think it was every everyone in their group went on to have a, a rainbow baby a, another baby and that was really good and I love meeting up with them all uh, the summer service or Christmas service and seeing how they're seeing, it, seeing how their angels have grown because I can't remember their names, but I always remember their angels' names and they're the same. They just refer to me as Arthur's daddy and Arthur's mammy and and that's the way it is.
1: Join Planet Fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May tenth. See Home Club for details.
3: That's so nice. It's um, it it's. I think that's so nice to hear because as a parent myself, you know, you know the way you become the kids' parent, right? That's it. They, nobody knows each other's names on the playground, and it's so nice that those kids' names are still being said and you're still hearing it, and someone else is still using the names. That's like it's so important
1: um, yeah and you one of the one of the reasons why it's so important for us to run out onto that pitch with our angels names on the backs is that you really get very few opportunities to, to speak their name yeah. um and and that's one of the one of the, i think one of the hardest things to deal with is because they they're still your child you still want to remember them mm. but you don't always want to be remembering them in a negative way of and there's so many negative connotations Associated with the name that you can see people when you meant they'll they'll bristle or they'll, they'll they're preparing for something very very tragic to be said. Whereas what you really just want to do is you speak the name mm-hmm. of your child and 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 hear other people um say their name as well. And there's there's a lot of comfort that kind of comes from that. Um, but I mean our experience with FailureCon was was very similar to Tony's, which was you know you're in this this horrific event that you cannot prepare yourselves for, and you're in shock. And you don't know what's going on and you don't realize how important those three days are to the point that Tony made. And it is so easy just to kind of curl up and, in a ball and just let them pass without without doing any of the things that ultimately will become really, really important to you. And when the bereavement midwife handed us the, the memory box that, that Felicon provide, you know, that was very very similar experience you know at first we were like what is this we Mm -hmm. we don't and then as we started to understand as we started to be guided through the process we realized this this is our our one opportunity to create these memories and we got our elder son in again at the the advice that we were being given he he got to hold molly in his arms we got some beautiful pictures he has one on his bedside still to this day and he still talks regularly about his sister just as he does about his his younger brother um and you know so and all the footprints that we have and all of those memories that we created that is a huge source of comfort to us as well and quite often i'll come home in an evening and my wife will be sat upstairs and she'll have the memory box out on the floor and she'll be looking mm-hmm. through um all of all of these things as well um and in that memory box then are our leaflets and materials helping introduce you to what what failure can do and that's how we learned then about mm-hmm. you know the the support groups which like like Tony you know we we started going to very difficult at first um, but then as we started to hear other people's stories, as people started to listen mm-hmm. to our stories, as we started to form friendships within the group and, and become a support outside of the group, either through, you know, the Facebook group that's set up or just through out of, out of this, these PhalaCon setting meetups with, 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 these, with, with the people. You know, again, that was, that was a, a, huge, a huge kind of support for us um, and very much inspired my wife who now, you know, works with them. And helps run the groups. Uh, I'm not involved to that degree. I'm obviously involved in the football. I've mm. done some fundraising for them in the past, but I have a massive amount of respect for what they mm. do, um, and really for the difference that they make to people who are just going through this horrific, horrific time. I
3: have to say, I'm like it's. It's actually it's so incredibly reassuring to know that there are people out there in this world who are putting such great care and thought into helping people through this process because we hear so much negativity about how things work in hospitals and the and health systems and different things like that and even with grief um you hear a lot about people just kind of really being abandoned and and not knowing where to turn um and hearing that's that there's such an importance put on this i think that's a really wonderful thing to hear um when you talk you know you both mentioned like men and grief and I really you know we, we actually don't get as, as much of a chance to talk to men about grief because they're probably a little bit more hesitant to come in and chat about it Um, for the reasons that we know um, in society there seems to be this difficulty to talk thing and it's becoming more and more part of the conversation around mental health especially in Ireland um, but I, I wanted to ask you both from your own perspective and from your own experiences why do you think First of all, do you think the conversation is changing? Do you think things are moving into a place where men are feeling more comfortable? And also, if not, why?
2: Um, well, that's a difficult one. I know in our game, it, a part part of it is part of the issue is we're trying to bring men's mental health under under the playing field, and that's part of our tagline with the with the game itself. And um, do men talk in general? or Is it getting easier? Not really. I don't think so. I think that's. Men have to be men. Seen to be have to be strong, and it's taken me a few years to get to get to the point where I am now. Or remember when, I, when it when a force happened, and I would not being able to talk to talk about it the way I am now. All I was seen as people had asked me how I was. I just say, Aaron Grant," and then they'd move on and talk about Claire, and I was able to speak about her grief a little bit more easier because I think going through this might be the right to say we're going through the evolution of time we're always seen to be the protectors of the family and when when something like this was happening and it was taken out of our hands and we weren't able to do that To some underlying issue were and we weren't able to it's a flaw in it's a flaw in men that we weren't able to protect our wife and we weren't we weren't able to protect our wife from this grief and we weren't able to protect our, our son or daughter when you were born and it's, it's something that we try bury down that we weren't able to do it so we're just trying to just trying to get it out there now listen sometimes there's nothing you can do sometimes it's just one of those things and I hate all these catchphrases that people come out to you with when, when they're talking to you in grief but it's just just so hard if you can not speak if you can speak to a friend or a family member you the typical conversation with someone is if somebody comes to you and says it well for me it was are you okay? yeah trying to go for a point? okay and then you talk about anything but the grief (laughs) that you're in you certainly don't talk about you might speak about your wife or you might speak Mm -hmm. about this but you don't speak about your grief and how you're feeling can i
3: ask a question about that this is something i wonder about a lot of the men in my life when you go for that pint and it doesn't come up the thing doesn't come up but you go for the pint anyway
2: yeah, well, if we, we tell the wife we're going to speak about it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but when you sit down and you have the pint and you talk about football or you talk about... I don't mean to like generalise, but you just have a conversation. that every you, you said it yourself. Anything but. Yeah. Do you feel you walk away from that feeling, a sense of comfort or a sense of, I wish I'd said it or I wish that we'd gone there?
2: No, sometimes I think... The, I think just having the support of someone yeah. being there, which is sometimes enough. Now, it's, it's not... It's not to be all and end all because you do need more help. But if, like if, if Mike rang me one day and says, eh, "Do you want to go for a and we have a chat?" Like you'd go and you'd have the chat and you do this. You don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about your grief. You don't talk about what you're going to do next. Maybe maybe in small little things. But for me, like I threw, as Mike mentioned earlier, I threw myself into fundraisers. I threw myself into, into sports. And stuff like that. And that was my way. I became a really keen runner and I loved that time out on my own, just sort of clear head and, and I'd be just running along talking to Arthur. And that'd be my my way of dealing with it rather than going and speaking to a friend or a colleague or even the the Felicon counsellors.
3: It's funny how we evolve a little bit. Um I think the whole talking to someone thinks is sometimes um People are like, you know, you should do that. And that's the one thing you should do. But oftentimes those things of uh, solace or things you find on your own are actually very, very useful to um, to build resilience and strength and to realize that in some ways you are the person that will get you through to the other side because that is how it is. I mean, um, I noticed myself doing things like going when I did get time, I would go for a meal by myself without my husband, without my friends because for some reason i was able to get some clarity in my mind to think about my parents that i wasn't getting when i was having conversations i always felt like maybe i had to be a certain way in front of someone else whereas when you were alone the conversation could just kind of flow um you know what what in terms of for for yourself like what was the experience like with with trying to get through that with the support of your friends what was it was it similar
1: i mean yeah very similar and for myself, one of the main things for me was it, it was really it was really two things. One was I absolutely wanted to be the rock yeah. for my wife. And there's a lot of this talk about being the rock. And people would say that to me. Oh, you've got to be the rock. You've got to be the rock. You've got to be the rock for Georgina and, and for Paddy as your son and, and, and for everybody else who's been impacted by this. But I think the other part of it was, I mean, two weeks later, I had to return to work. And going back into work again was extremely tough because... It was, it was very awkward meeting. Everybody knew what had happened because, of course, they knew we were pregnant. They knew whether we were going to you know, expect it. And, and it, was, it was extremely awkward. But then beyond that, in order to protect myself, in order just to be able to do what I do every day and, and go to work and get through it, I had to normalize things as quickly as possible. So I found myself kind of acting hyper normal around people to try and diffuse everything because if people were coming up to me in work, then... I didn't know if I would break down I didn't know if I would you know so for me it was like I want work to as quickly as possible return to normal and then outside of work is where I would really need some support but it's not always easy obviously to do that and like Tony you know I threw myself into into exercise and and running and fitness thankfully because I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. of different paths you can go down and I'm glad we both found you know the kind of path through through exercise but I think Part of the problem with, with grief is, not it's obviously not just limited to, to losing a, a child, is if people come up and want to talk to you, you could be in any one of several different emotional states at that time. One time you maybe don't want to talk. The next time you maybe do want to talk. But if you rebuff someone once, the likelihood oh. that they're gonna come back and try a second time, particularly I think with, with, with blokes, yeah. you know, if you're like, Ah no, no, yeah, everything's fine They're the, not gonna the, ask yeah, you. Yeah. They're just gonna take it as that's red. The you know what? It's fine, say, that's yeah. the signaling, I'll never ask yeah. again. Yeah. And I'd be guilty of that. Yeah. I, I absolutely know I'd be guilty of that you know with other people who've who've experienced loss and I'd be I might make that first att- attempt and if they're like yeah everything's fine I'm not gonna go back and ask again I'll ask them if they want a pint I'll I know, I'll have a boy. chat to them about stuff but I, I won't continue to. and what I've really learned through this is is that maybe in that one moment they didn't want to talk mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't you shouldn't try again Um and then I, I think the other challenging thing is is when you're sharing the grief with 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 your partner the two of you going really down separate paths and hopefully they stay very very close Mm. together for as long as possible but they can very easily diverge and then you know one is still locked very much in grief the other one has moved into this kind of protection mode of I don't want to talk about it as much I really want to kind of get back to normal and that can be very difficult now thankfully with me and Georgina we managed to stay along that Mm. path and, and like Tony was saying you know we've really taken Um, what to us is a huge comforting kind of approach of Molly is in every room in our house. There is something, whether it's a little trinket, whether it's a a photo of her, whether it's a painting that that, that, that my wife did or somebody else did for us. She's in every single room in the house. So everywhere we go it's 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 comforting she she's there you know we didn't we didn't hide it away but i know other people who have done that and and would prefer not That's to be really reminded amazing. every day and only only be reminded when when they when they're ready when when they're in that in that state so i think i think people people find their own way but i mean like tony you know i do think from from the perspective of men, I do think it is still difficult to talk. I do think there is still this, this kind of expectation, whether we put it on ourselves, whether it's coming from society still or not, I don't know. But there is still this expectation that we're the rock, that we should just be strong, that we should just get on with it. And, you know, and most people after the first few weeks would ask me, how's Georgina? And they might not even ask me. They might not even ask me, how are you anymore? Yeah. It would be straight away, how's Georgina got.
3: And I think that, you know, it's, it's so great that you're talking about The Rock, especially in this particular circumstance, because the physical element that, that the woman has gone through is so, so big. Mm. Um, but you could also, I could see very easily how someone could hide behind the questions about your wife or your partner. Very easily hide behind that, because just like you said, people, the first thing they're going to ask is, how is she? how the kids and they might not ask about you. um, For fear of of not even knowing what the answer might be for thinking or assuming that you might not want to go there um, and making it easier to just talk about the other people involved rather than talk about yourself. And I, I, you know, from the men in my life, I've seen them kind of hide behind those things sometimes because it's easier to talk about other people and it's easier to talk about the other people um, who are involved in in the in the situation. I have to say, one of the things I think so great about what you guys are doing and, and really kind of actually, I think, quite innovative in grief space, um, oftentimes, you know, you guys talk about like you, there's lots of support groups or there's Facebook groups or there's places to talk, but there's not a lot of action, like physical action or I mean, I know there's, you know, these kind of large fun runs or runs or different things like that, but with grief that actually doesn't probably that sort of doesn't really meet all that often. Um tell us a little just you know as we wrap up just tell us a little bit more about the event itself in May and what people um, should know about it well
2: <clears throat> it's the 30th of May with a 3pm kickoff. off now as of the moment it's in Dalymount Park but that might change to Talca Park we'll have to keep you informed on that it's um, a might clash with a League of Ireland fixture but for the time being it's in Dalymount Park this is not going to be a sad occasion this is going to be a joyful occasion we're going to have all the siblings there we want to try to get as many people there as possible we we want to have things for the kids we want to have um, an ice cream van some bouncy castles uh, face painters everything that when my kids turned around to me and say, when Grace and Sam turned around to say, say to me wasn't that a great day we had out for Arthur yeah. and Mike could be the same when, when his kids are talking about Molly wasn't that a great day we had out for Molly and we want to try to get as many people there as we can we're not doing a ticket event if people would like to make a donation at the gate they're very welcome Um we just want to see crowds there i know f- walking out the tunnel with the jerseys on for the first time it's going to be really special really emotional Um i don't think there'll be many of us not crying Um what i found out through the whatsapp group uh, uh, that we set up just for everybody there it's actually, the I'd call it the birthdays, I don't call it anniversary. It's, it's actually the birthdays of two of their angels are on this, the very same day and they are thrilled to be playing it that day and there's actually, we won't mention any names, but there's there's one father's wife is due on that day mm. for their rainbow baby and he said he couldn't play the match and I was going to throttle him at first when he says, what, you going away on holidays or something? He says, no, your um, wife is due that day. And I says, well, that's the best reason in the world not to play a game. He's a main striker. <laughs> but uh, we might forgive him if he's in, if he's in uh, Hollow Street or somewhere like that. Like, we couldn't be happier. The things that go through my head is, we'll still have the jersey there for you. And if we score a goal or something, we'll run over and get the jersey. Like, I've thought about this game so much it'd be such an anti-climax if it doesn't go ahead with w- what's happening mm-hmm. at the moment so uh, yeah if there's people there, there there's um, obviously any money gets raised goes to Falecon and uh, every penny got raised because we got a sponsor on to cover cover our costs in, in Dublin Port which are uh, so supportive and so thankful for them to come on, on board and a few other sponsors have come on and given us a set of jerseys and stuff like that and and um, people are taking ads out in the program, and mm. it just means all the money raised to be gone because we're trying to give back to Felicon for the future generations um, to come into this. I think th- I mentioned earlier, I think I called the memory box a cuddle cut. Um, obviously, the thing that you give out in the, the hospital is a memory box, but th- they do do cuddle cuts as well. That mm. yeah, it's, a, it's like an isolated, it's like a it's like a cop where it has a freezer underneath so you get to bring your child home from the hospital if you want to yeah. bring them home for a couple of days they didn't have that back mm. um, when we lost out in 2013 and a lot of the money goes goes to uh, pay for them because mm. they're not cheap and it's something special for them to be able to bring their child home and into their house and say you know you were here you were here yeah. and you were part of us and it's mm-hmm. and I wish we could have done it and uh it's just a really great thing so we if anybody would like to come along to the game or there's a I don't know page i hey, throwing all this but as I said all the money will go to Felicon. but well, we'd just love to see as many people there on the day as possible
3: well we'll put up some links um, anything you guys have when the episode comes out thank you very um, much not to get too mushy on you both but I, I think you're setting really wonderful examples for your children and for future generations of men who um, are going to be faced with different things I think it's truly remarkable And um, I thank you for joining us.
2: Thank Thank you.